Welcome to another episode of Sketching Up. Honestly, I have all my notes in front of me. I was going to say which number, but I don't have that in front of me. I think it's 78 now. I think we're 78 episodes in, 78, 79, I don't know, in the 70s somewhere. I am Chris with Matt. No Kyle again today. Unbelievable. He's out again, but he's, he's not out because he can't be here. He's out because he did not see the movie we're going over today, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But before we get into that, a couple of plugs. If you haven't listened, there is a new offstage out there. Uh, make sure you go check that out. It is uh, – it's funny. It's offstage podcast. It has it's, – it's supposed to be about my documentary, and most of them are not about that at all. It's more about production and stuff like that. So if you want to see that or hear that, you can go listen to that. There will also be a new Mad Props coming out soon, so definitely – Stay tuned for that, and you can see all of that in Schnabel Studios, S-C-H-N-A-B-E-L, on YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, what else? LinkedIn. LinkedIn we're, biz- yeah. we're business people. We're on LinkedIn. I got my business suit on. Yeah, me too. And this yeah. is what I wear to business meetings. Yeah. I, I sound like uh, Vincent Adult Man. We're just LinkedIn. doing business. <laughs> Just doing business in business world. Business things. Um, so this this episode, we are going to be going over uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Just came out recently. I saw it uh, on the Thursday. Uh, Matt saw it on Sunday. We will be going through the whole episode. We will be going over old um, – sorry, a whole episode. The whole movie. We'll be going over some of the old movies. Uh, just be ready for everything to be spoiled. This is your warning right here if you haven't seen the movie. Um, about a minute, two minutes in. This is the spoiler right here. You, from this point on, everything's going to be spoiled. We're not going to hold back on anything. I'm sure people watching just watch me at Shmai. That was great. Um, but this is where it's going to be spoiled. So definitely get out of here if you haven't seen it and come back or get ready to go on this roll with us. We're going to format this a little differently. So first, I'm going to throw it over to Matt. He's going to uh, do Sketching Up to Speed, where we're going to hear about what the movie was and what happened. So here we go, Matt. Take it away. I'll try to keep the speed, okay? Yeah, I love keep the, the speed. Energy. I love the energy. I love the energy so far. It's great. So if you guys haven't seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, you know you you have to see Guardians of the Galaxy 1, 2, and Two holiday special and Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. And obviously I'm going to talk about the third one. So we have our Guardians of the Galaxy gang. Uh, they are on Nowhere, which is the head of the Celestial. When a figure attacks who is Adam Warlock, he works for the Sovereign and he almost kills Rocket Raccoon. As they're trying to help Rocket from dying, they find that there is a kill switch was implemented in him and not allowed anyone to revive him which hit me in the feels. During this, we started a see a flashback of Rocket's origin, how he was created, and that put me into a ball where I started crying. Yep. Uh, we, we learned that the High Evolutionary, who is a bastard, was the one being behind Rocket's creation, and we see 
that he has more animals that he has built just like Rocket in the pen of some kind. And as an animal lover, as a two-pet person, this put me in a rage. So yes. in in present day, the Guardians of the Galaxy team goes hunting down for the High Hunter to figure out how to disarm this kill switch. This leads the team working with the Ravagers, most importantly Gamora. This leads the team to a series of planets until they eventually find the High Evolution on a planet much like Earth, which to me, right now in this conference, it was a better Earth. It was kind of a better Earth. Better. <laughs> um, until, until the end. Until the end, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they went on rampage mode to, to get the key to Rocket's revival. During this, the High Evolutionary realizes that his planet is not protected and destroys the entire planet and the species to start again like the dickhead he is. We also learned that the reason he wants Rocket is out of jealousy of his brain, which, again, what a bastard, okay? You <laughs> created someone who obviously is smarter and more wittier than he was, and you want to kill him? Come on. So then the crew is able to foil the plans and save the prisoners on the evolutionary, which leads to the last stand with the Guardians of the Galaxy team, Rocket, and himself. After receiving him, defeating him, the team is back on Nowhere, where Peter, Drax, Mantis, and Nebula decide that they are done with the team and and go their separate ways, which, uh, again, I was in a ball and I was crying, and Peter names Rocket the leader of the Guardians. We see a final scene of the new team that, and it, 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 it actually, to me, was, oh, wow, this is a great team. And that is your sketching up to speed of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. All right. Thank you so much for getting us up to speed there. For anyone that hasn't seen it that's still here for some reason. <laughs> or people that just need to remember a, a reminder. Because sometimes you come out of the movie and you're just like... I don't remember what happened at all. So, yeah, something uh, I thought this, we should add on. For me, Chris, this was I was getting fever dreams of the worst parts of this movie. Yes, because again, I am a huge animal lover, and I was getting fever dreams of that. I I took a nap today for thirty minutes, and that's what all my fever dreams was of all the horrible things the High Evolutionary did to these animals. That's so all let, it was. So, give us a one word thought on the movie. You get one word to describe what you felt about the movie. One word, closure. That's a good one. That's a good one. I would say emotions. Emotions. Yeah. You felt every emotion one. on this one. I mean, going into the movie, there I, I, for the Marvel movies now, I've decided no more expectations, right? No more yeah. expectations because every time you expect all this stuff, you get upset. You get It gets ruined for you because you're expecting more. Even if the movie's not bad or it's pretty good, you're expecting more, right? That's what I kind of right. felt with Doctor Strange. On the second viewing of Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, kind of going in with the expectation that it wasn't what you expected it to be, what you wanted it to be, I mean. Once you watch it, you're like, you know, it's not terrible. Sam Raimi does a good job. The direction of it's pretty good. It's just not the story you were expecting to get. Right. With multiverse of madness, there wasn't much multiversing going on, you know. So exactly. that was the part that that exactly. that was my thing got right with it. Other than that, <laughs> I I love that movie. The the dialogue, the um, I thought the writing for Doctor Strange himself was amazing. Yeah, like him seeing, hearing about other versions of himself, 
seeing where other versions of him go was awesome. That that and and Benjamin Cumberbatch. Yeah, I think I said that right. Benedict. Benedict, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he 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 went through an emotional roller coaster during that movie, and I thought that was written very well for him to portray and he portrayed that beautifully but mm-hmm. with the name of multiverse of madness that's where my gripe was we did not see not really much multiverse not madness. much madness yep yeah <laughs> but this movie uh, i went in with no expectation actually i did expect one thing and it will get into i guess i'll get into it now um i'm not going to go piece by piece here my, there were two things that this movie did that marvel always does that this movie did not do I think we talked about on the phone with this. The first one is no main character died, which is like, I was so, like a lot of people were upset. A lot of people were upset. They're like, I expected this. No, I I expected so many of characters to die because I knew the contracts were up and everything. No one died. I was so happy. I was like, finally, finally a Marvel movie where everyone survived. And that's why my one word was closure. Yes. Because we, because closure wouldn't have been killing off those characters closure is writing them out yeah let them go their own ways let them go figure out where uh, maybe a a couple years down the line we bring back mantis we bring back peter quill we bring back these characters that just went their separate ways and we have a new guardians team that honestly the team that i saw i'm excited for because of how james gunn did the guardians before we yeah. have a guardians team that no one knows about. Okay. Yeah. Guardians of the galaxy. I would, like I was telling you, and I hope I have them on the pod, the, the owner of Eastside mags of a month. Shout out to them. Shout out Eastside mags, baby comic book shop. He, he was telling me, he was like, dude, I'm so excited for this movie because guardians of the galaxy. I've known comic book collectors who've been collecting for 30 years and they have no idea who the guardians were. And that was such a perfect team to put in because of not knowing who they are. And you can change that team up whenever you want and not have all this expectation weighing on your shoulders. Yeah. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. A lot of people don't realize this guardians team is not the original guardians team from the comics. Yeah, No, it's not. It's completely different. Yeah. And I but people love don't realize that. that. Yeah, and I, I I love that, and I love that this that we can go from the team that we love so much because in in my opinion of the Guardians, and I, we were talking on the phone about this. We've had team ups uh, in Marvel. We have had them in the Fantastic Four before the MCU. We had the Avengers. The team of the Guardians have been the most fun and rewarding team to watch in the MCU yep. in my opinion and to to have closure at the end like that I'm now excited about the new Guardians because I know they're out there that's fine and I think that's why I'm a little hes- hesitant on the new Avengers it was like we lost Tony we lost Steve you know we, we, we kind of have a a, a broken Avengers team where the Guardians, we have a new team. I'm super excited to see how these these guys play out. And like yeah. we have 
all of these characters, some we know already and some we don't know, and how they're going to play this out is is okay if they're silly. That's the fun thing about them. They don't have to yeah. be serious. Like we can get another Galaxy, uh, Galaxy uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and it could just be a shit show, and it will be a great thing to watch because yeah. that's that's what this is. It's a rookie cool. Guardians team. That build it, it, a new it, team it, with yeah. new players and some and you get and you're have a new director as well obviously we, we yeah. all know james gunn is gone like he's with dc now james gunn is great at this james gunn is great as taking these he's done it with guardians and he did it a big time with peacemaker peacemaker yeah. is a we fantastic show um so good peacemaker is another character like there was really no lore to peacemaker no one other it, than like other than the show yeah, and Peacemaker wasn't adapted into the DC lore until maybe five years ago. Yeah, like, it still he, wasn't. I, he, he was around, but he wasn't like yeah. anything. He, like, he was not. He was a nothing of, character. He and his comic book origin is from another comic publication. Yeah, and they they went out of business, and and someone at DC bought Peacemakers. You know, contra like all of that, just the rights. Yeah, they bought the rights to the peacemaker. Rights to it. Yep, and then brought him in, and then James Gunn is the one who let them all out, and then yeah, he did the same thing with Suicide Squad. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Polka Dot Man, Polka Dot Man. Yes, but some of the Suicide Squad people have been not around, but they were already in the. The realm. The, the war, first yeah. movie had some of it, but then the the Harley Quinn show had some of it, and like, so they were around. But he really brought out the characters, like like he brought the characters out. Rat to Catcher, Polka Dot Man, um, and uh, um, Idra Abella's uh, character. Um, uh, it's been it's been since Peacemaker uh, came out since I've seen Suicide Squad. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, while well, you do that, while well, you do that, well, I'll, I'll keep, Bloodsport. I'll keep going. Bloodsport, Bloodsport, yeah, Bloodsport no was great. Heard great character of all too. Of those characters, and they really weren't being written in the comics all that often, and he brought them in. Well, he brings them in because he gets to create their. He gets to create them now. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a blank slate to create what you want to create with that. And that's what he did with the Guardians too, right? It's a blank slate that he got to create what he wanted to create with them with. And so Chris, that's. That's why he does it. I want to ask you a question. Sure. Is this the better way of going forward with comic book movies where, you know, MCU, DC, whatever, just comic movies in general? So, do we want This is a great question. Do we want to give the the director more control and not worry about the overall world that we're building? See, I think, but this is the thing. I think you could do both. See, so think of this. Think of a movie. Think of a, the Black Panther movie without them shoehorning in the the next phases. Mm-hmm. The the Wakanda Forever movie. Wakanda yeah. Forever was great, but Wakanda Forever could have been like an um, unbelievable movie if they didn't have to shoe. Like, why was Ironheart in the movie? Because they needed the shoehorn in Ironheart to move the character on to the next chapter and stuff like they did that in every single one of these recent movies there's there's a character there so they could shoehorn them in so they can move on to the next one but like if they would actually just let these directors like if they would let kugler just cook and do his thing that movie could have been amazing so this is what i think another visionary that's a guy 
you the, need look to at the do. first movie you know like, like look at the first movie. look at look at creed look at all these movies he's done and and you need to you need to give him the leeway that you gave james gunn and i yeah. think since james gunn was so early in the making of the mcu they let him do whatever he wants and when i see that it, it's it brings up that question are these directors of these movies too tied down I think I think they are, but I think that could be changed. I think that could be. I think that can actually be changed. I think you can say, "All right, here's your story. You don't have to don't shoehorn in characters." That part, if there's a character that can fit in, like Adam Warlock, probably didn't have to be in this movie, but he fit into the story. You know what I mean? Like they fit him into the story and and moved it forward. Like if they could fit him in, that's great. But you shouldn't have to shoehorn in characters if you don't have to. But if you want to move the story forward, first of all, they have six end credit scenes. Put something in there. Second of all, there are let, – let them come up with the story and then give them like, well, we need this in there. So whatever your story is going to be, tell them early. Like I feel like with the Black, Black Panther obviously had a lot of changes to it because unfortunately Chadwick Boseman passed and all of that. So they didn't, they didn't know – yeah, they didn't know how to, to move on. For, they had to move on in a different way. So – but if they would have told them, hey – so we have Black Panther when, when he's making the first one. We're going to try to bring – obviously, what is that? Six, five, six years apart, something like that. Yeah, but they're like, we're going to bring in new things. characters on your – it's all over the place, just like I am right now. So I think, yes, they need to let the, the directors do their thing. And if they want to bring in characters or they want to bring the story forward, it needs to be brought to them before – the trilogy even starts because all these movies are supposed to be in trilogies, right? They're all supposed to be three movies each, three movies each, three movies each, except for a couple one-offs. Well, that's a, that's a good point you bring up because we were just talking before this about the interview with James Gunn and they talked about Gamora dying Mm -hmm. and they kind of brought that up in in infinity war, not in in volume three, but, but she, she dies in infinity war. But James Gunn was ready to kill her off in volume two. Mm-hmm. And but the whispers of, hey, we need one of these characters to die was prior to all of this. So they gave him enough time to write pro he definitely didn't just write one script. He wrote for at least volume two, he probably wrote three scripts. One yeah. of them had Gamora dying, probably had one of them, you know, that also Ugo didn't really it didn't really fit the story either. Yeah, Yandu needed to die in that movie, not Yeah, and so you had Gamora dying, Yandu dying, and maybe another character dying in one of the scripts. He went with Yandu, which, again, was a huge tug at the heartstrings for me. Like It's Yandu the father figure, the, the James the Gunn, Guardian's figure. father yep. figure trilogy. And, and so, you know, you, you have a director like James Gunn who sees this in the future because he had time to mold that into his story. And you're right, where we're not giving these directors enough time with these comic book characters because I think the higher ups are being a little too fluid on what the st- the overall story really needs. And and you know, it's not all them to blame. It's it's the studios, it's timing, it's actors, it's it's a million different things for sure. But when you look at a the three volumes of Guardians of the Galaxy, and you tell me that it needs to be fluid, it needs to, it, it's always going to change. You can't tell me that when you got three great freaking movies that came out of that. Like, yeah. you can't. 
because you gave James Gunn the the leeway and 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 the creative directive to do whatever he wanted with these three movies. And yes, you know, he was a producer on Infinity War. He was a producer on Endgame. He worked with the Russo brothers. So they knew how to pr- give the Guardians a good look. Now, he wasn't, and like everybody else, wasn't happy with Peter Quill's portrayal in Infinity War. He was, yeah, he made the, the biggest bonehead move in the history of mankind. Yeah, of any kind. But... <laughs> Looked like a that dick. Bo- that bonehead move was still a good part of the story going forward, because we wouldn't have gotten everything in Endgame if if they if they ripped the gauntlet off his arm. What what the hell do we have after that? You know, they already knew they were they were filming two separate movies that were connected to each other, so they had to give someone had to be the weak link, and it was an obvious pick for Peter Quill to be that because his love died. Do you yeah. agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just unfortunate that they made him look like a the biggest selfish piece of garbage in literally the universe because half the population died <laughs> because he decided to do that. Obviously, they all come back, so it's not the biggest of deals, but they they and they're five years younger, so it's nice. Um, but I also, yeah, I also like to throw in there that when I think about it, and yeah, I'm I'm not happy that he made that bonehead move. No one is like that's a bonehead. But when I play devil's advocate, when you watch the Guardians, like just concentrate on the Guardians of the Galaxy in Infinity War, I don't think they really understand the the gravity of what would happen if Thanos got all the gems. I think the opposite. I think they understand it more than anyone. Don't forget, they're the ones that were chasing the Infinity Stones before the Avengers even knew what Infinity, Infinity Stones really were. Yeah, I, I, I get that, but I don't think, you know... And they knew about Thanos before any of them did. They yes, knew Thanos' plans Thanos. too. They had two Thanos. They knew two Thanos' daughters already, and they knew what the plans were to to wipe out half the population. He was doing that before he even got the Infinity Stones. Then he realized if I get all these, I can take out with the snap of a finger. But I don't think that they believed he would actually do it. Well, I I from from just watching them. If you just watch their scenes because they are a bonehead group they yeah. don't really take things seriously we call it ragtag yeah they're, they're a ragtag <laughs> team of people i love that i love that but i don't think they took it very seriously and that's why it was easy to use peter quill as that dude who fucks everything up yep Yep, and he kind of redeems himself in this movie. And he actually he says that it's one of the biggest you know regrets that he's ever done in the movie. He said, "I made one. Of, I made a decision that kill that took out half the population of the universe and all this other stuff." So it gives him a little bit of a redemption arc. Well, well, since we're talking about Peter Quill, why don't we talk a little bit about, about the characters in this movie? We we don't have to go really in depth onto them. Um, we could just kind of talk about how the characters were portrayed. I know you have a lot to say about the characters and the actors, so I can give you. I'll give you your soapbox for a minute so you can go on and talk about it not your soapbox <laughs> well, you know what i mean I i'll give I you your spotlight do, yeah give I you your spotlight I don't take too much but 
Um, like I said, I think the Guardians team has been the most enjoyable and rewarding team we've seen in an MCU, and that's just my own opinion, because of, yes, it's the writing and the directing, um, but I think it's, it's really, it's Chris Pratt, it's Zoe mm-hmm. Delisonata, it's it's Karen Gillian. It's yes. It's Vin Diesel who's great. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Bradley Cooper. It, it's it's Dave Bautista. It, it it's Paul Palm I, I don't who's Mantis. Those uh. characters, those actors who play those characters, played them so freaking well. They ju- they just did they. They, I give them so much props. I, I, I you know, I, I know people have their qualms with, with Chris Pratt. All right. I, I, that's fine. But they, they're my guardians of the galaxy and they played those characters so well. And I just, I want to applaud them. I want to applaud them on three movies and Infinity War and Endgame. I applaud them for playing comic book characters so well and and really putting their souls into the character because if you read them from the comic books and see them on screen they're a little different because they put their own selves into these characters and it made these characters better and I am just so happy that I was alive to see them play these characters and I just a round of applause and in my head, because uh, this morning I was one of two people in the movie theater watching it at 11 a.m. <laughs> in my head, I gave them a round of applause because they they really took something that was so great, that was so awesome, so memorable, just so much fun. It, it, they're, they're, they are the kookiest family on the big screen right now you don't have any other family in any other genre of movie being as kooky as them and i just i i love them to death and uh and thank you to them for just really putting their hearts and soul into these characters because they it, it, this movie like we said just gave us all the emotions and that is from these actors portraying these characters so i have a I, I have a question that I actually – it was a statement I brought up on a car ride home one time, and I I said 10 years, but I'm going to go since 2010, all right? Okay. Does, has Chris Pratt played more – I said Chris Pratt has – what did I say? Chris Pratt has played more iconic characters or has played the most iconic characters in the last 10 years than any other actor. Um. And I was, and and both people in the car said no, and I was like, if you look at box office success and franchises that he's a part of, he's part of Guardians, he's part of, um, he's Mario now, Parks he's part Recreation. of Parks and Rec, Jurassic Park, um, yeah. So I was just kind of naming them. That was <clears throat> that was in the last ten years. If you go back to if you go back to 2010, I'll, I'll name some of his movies since 2010. Like I'll name the big ones. So the big ones are the ones I know specifically. So if I miss one out there, I'm, I apologize. But um, in 2011, he was in Moneyball. He was Hackenberg yes. in Moneyball. Yes, he was Hackenberg. He played great. 
he was in the movie Her, which is a very yeah. big movie. He was not the main, he was not the main actor, but he had a pretty big role in that. Obviously, Parks and Rec, Jurassic World, um, Passengers, which was another very big movie. Guardians, one, two, and three. He was Super Mario. Um, he was also, and this was one that I got laughed at. He was the main character in the Lego movie, which made almost a yeah. billion dollars. Like people yeah. laughed at me. I'm like, no, like this was a huge movie. The Lego movie made like three other movies. Movie it was huge. Awesome. It was huge. So I said that. Um, and the only one that I was like, okay, this is a good argument was Adam driver. Cause Adam driver has been obviously a lot of big characters and a lot of big movies. But other than those two, can you really think of anyone that could that that has been in more iconic or I, I guess you could say franchised or iconic or big roles I, I mean we'll say the since 2011 because it starts with Moneyball the only two I think it's and they don't they're just voice actors is Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper yeah I mean the, but the fast he, franchise with Vin Diesel yeah and then you have so, a Star's Born with uh, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper and and Bradley yeah. Cooper's been The Hangover and um, Hangover movies. But all, you also have American Sniper. You have Burnt. Yeah. You have Silver Lining Playbook. I you think Chris Pratt, by the way, was also in Zero Dark Thirty. Was he yes, not? He was in, yeah. yeah he was so he's been in some big uh, ones. In the last yeah, fifteen and, years. I mean, yeah, and then you, uh, I would say not Vin Diesel. I would say. Bradley Cooper because he was in American Hustle also, which one of yeah, great movie, yeah, great movie, movie, you know, and, and but then, but like, the big thing I'll say is n there's two of those that you've named that are like franchises, and that's what I was right. trying to say. Right. I said iconic, but I, what I meant to say is like fr like he's in more franchises than anybody. Yep. That's a shout out to his agent, by the way, who by, by the way brought him back as Star Lord again. He's not like he's not like Chris Evans. He's not like these guys that are like three movies, five movies, I'm done. He's like Star Lord until I'm a hundred. Let's go. Keep cashing and in that I check, think, baby. I think that's a credit. I think that's a credit to James Gunn. I think yeah. you watch you watch a lot of the behind the scenes in all of the Guardians. These actors are having the time of their life. They're not. They're not there to read. Let's go, and and let's shoot this. Like it's not very strict. Like James Gunn put out an Instagram. I think it was today or yesterday about how they hardly got their takes because of all the bits they were trying to put in. Yeah, they were having so much fun on the production of this movie that they almost didn't get to hit their quota on filming because they were just having so much fun. And I also have to give a shout out to James Gunn for bringing Dave Bautista into the MCU, because I think he is an awesome actor. And I keeping him there him. for three movies. Cause he and clearly think, does not want to do it anymore. Yeah. And I think he was great as Drax. I thought he it, like Drax is him. When I think of Drax's voice, when I read the comics, he, it, it's Dave Bautista. That's when, that's when you know you have a good actor, by the way. If For yeah. any people that do comics, anyone that does comic movies, if you're listening to this, and I know you are, if you have an actor, if you're doing a voice acting or an actual actor, if you, if you listen to him talk, go home and read the comic later, and if you can hear his voice in it, you pick the right person. 
Cause that yeah. is, that's exactly how I pick my favorites as well. Like ni- the nineties Spider-Man and the Spider-Man video games, those two voice actors, that's how I read yeah. Peter Parker. Constantly. Yeah, those are the two that I read Peter. I, Chris, I don't remember the whole name. It's Mark Hamill. Yeah. Like the, if, if you do read it in that voice, that's a perfect actor for that role. And that's, that's how you should be, should be looking at it. We we did forget one pretty large character from this, uh, Cosmo. Cosmo, the golden Cosmo. retriever. Oh, I love it. Uh, do, have I, you seen? Have you seen? I hated. The- I hated. The, he was like bad dog. I wanted to smack him. Oh man, I did. And Cosmo is such a good dog. The, the voice actress is a woman actress. And yeah, she was the sweetest thing on this green earth. She, she is the <laughs> sweetest woman. I saw her do some interviews, and she is just so awesome. And at the one of the premieres, they had the dog there that played. Oh, uh, the dog that that the, the model dog, you should say, because I don't yeah, think the dog yeah. was a, dog was real for most of the movie. Yeah, well, the, they showed up behind the scenes, and it was that dog, and he had all those green little dots all over it. Oh my god, that's amazing! And that's and that's how they they track the movement and the turning of the head and the shaking. Like they track all that that way. So they had to add, have an actual dog so it would look realistic. Yeah. And that dog was at one of the premieres and I was like, oh my God, my heart's about to explode. Oh my God, Cosmo. And now that Cosmo is part of the Guardians, it, yeah. it, it is just fantastic. Awesome. And I fantastic. hope I hope the next one, I hope Cosmo kind of has those one liners that Rocket had. Now Rocket's the captain, so he's not going to be the Rocket that we've seen. I hope Cosmo kind of takes that seat and has those little like one-liners because I think it would be perfect for Cosmo's character. By the way, did you notice that the two Guardians that stuck around are the two CGI ones? Yes. <laughs> Every All the humans are like, I'm out. Oh, and I'm sure, I'm sure Vin Diesel and... Bradley Cooper are okay with that. They're like, yeah, yeah whatever. I'll, you, they're, they're, it's, it's theirs like is completely days, different. It's three it's a few days, days in, in a booth. recording studio. Yeah, yeah, it's it. like three days in a booth, and we're good. We're done. So, uh, one more character we got to talk about. We're going to the do the villain here, uh, the High Evolutionary. Yeah, unbelievably done. I don't remember the act the, the actor's name uh, from from Peacemaker from and Peacemaker Suicide Squad, so right? Um, that guy is no a, for Peacemaker, just Peacemaker, like right? Chukwundi Iwuji. Yes, just Peacemaker, right? Not yeah, in, Peacemaker. not in, yeah. not in Suicide Squad. Fantastic in that as well. He's um, great, great, great actor. Uh, did an unbelievable job as the when high you evolutionary. Can, when, you can, when you physically hate a character, hate, hate that's, the character. that's when you know you played the character spot fucking on. So like, the difference I between. The difference between the High Evolutionary and any other character, and especially in recent MCU, there was no redeeming, like no redeeming characteristics of the High Evolutionary. He was just a dick, and you hated him, and the th- everything he did made you so mad. Like at the end of a movie, you're like, you don't want like the obviously everyone knows the MCU has a, a killing villain problem where they mm-hmm. the villain has to die at the end, end of every movie. Yep. This one, you're like. Yeah, kill that dude. 
Like get rid of yeah, get rid this of guy him. off of the out of the universe. Like get this guy out of here. Like that that's how that's how well this character was played and how bad I hated him for everything he did. When they had when they had that one scene where you're seeing him like build rocket and all those guardians oh are standing God. around dude i almost shed a tear like i actually almost shed a tear in the theater it was it was so I, sad i'm gonna tell you i was like this i i was like like i didn't realize myself i was doing this but i was sitting back and i just had my hand over like on my forehead and i i looked away a couple times yeah there's a I lot of scenes so, like that i was so like not okay with watching it. There was a ton of scenes like that in the movie. This movie now we know we know James Gunn. This is the last one, so that that's why the, like he got away with a lot more than usual MCU movies. This was a hard PG thirteen. I said, remember I told you on a phone yeah. call. I say oh, I told yeah. you here, like people know. I said on a phone call that this was a hard PG thirteen. You're like, well, they dropped the first F bomb. I'm like, that's not why. <laughs> it's a no, hard PG thirteen. So right. And we talked about that the night before I saw it, and then when yeah. I saw it, I walked out and I was like. Fucking Christmas movie. God. It's a hard PG thirteen. There's so hard. much violence was, in this movie and so much dark. Such so- a small leeway between rated yeah. R and PG thirteen for this. Like it yeah. was bordering. You fit a piece they, of paper. they were like they were like, you can't go Deadpool, but you can go go a little crazy. So much and killing. James, There's James more killing Gunn in this movie like, than any other MCU movie and, I think I've seen. And, and James Gunn was like I'm going to go right below Deadpool. Right yeah. below. Just right, right below. below. We are going to have the same amount of deaths, but no blood. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically um, what it was. Even when, even when, uh, even when uh, Lila gets, gets yes. killed, there was really no blood. No. You just see her like grab her chest, but there's no, like there's, usually there'd be like a hole and blood squirting yeah. out and stuff. And Deadpool, like, it'd be a hole. And it there'd be, be a hole. Well, Deadpool, she'd be cut in half. <laughs> Fall side to side. So... <laughs> <laughs> but but the, I think this is also the MCU. Like, obviously, James Gunn got got to get in his bag a little bit because it's his last one, so they give him a little more leeway. But they're also they're also playing with this because there's multiple MCU movies coming up that are going to be rated R. Yeah, multiple and, MCU movies. Um, if we can just go back to the high evolutionary, just for yes, please. Minute. I'm going to tell you right now. After that movie, with a villain so bad like that, and I think a lot of movies in all different genres who have a villain need to take note because the last time I hated a villain that much was in Glorious Bastard and it was Kristen Waltz who won an Oscar for that. <laughs> it was Hans Landa and he was hunting the Jewish people and killing them horribly. And that w- I hated that, that character. I hated him. From the minute I met him in the mo- during the movie until the end, and I couldn't wait to watch him die, the little, that was the last time I hated a character that hard. Then the high evolutionary came up, and that's yeah. another praise to, to the actor who who played him because it was the same. I, I when I left, it was the same feeling. I was enraged by him, even though yeah. I saw him die in the movie. After the movie, I was still enraged by him, but. But the best part about him was his his unforgiving feeling of I need to be smarter and better than anybody. Yeah, I need but to that's be that's what drove him to his rage. That's what drove yeah. him to his rage. He and knew he was not that, the smartest man in the universe because he knew Rocket was out there. 
and that was such a good part of the movie. That was that, you know, you bring in the high evolutionary and if you read him the comics, he's a guy who, who builds new species. He's, he's a creator. He wants to do all this. He's a, he's a pretty fucked up dude in the comics, but you brought him to another level in this movie. And, yeah. and seeing him on screen and the way that he reacted, even to his own people who worked to him, you were like, Oh my God, you are a dickhead. Mm. Like you are the epitome of a bastard. You need to be shut down. You are such an ass. And that's all <laughs> I was saying throughout the movie. You were like, you fucking asshole in my head throughout that whole movie and it was it it was the it was it was the best villain we've seen in a long time in a long time where do you think i was gonna say where do you think the high evolutionary ranks in mcu villains i mean don't we were having this conversation a couple months ago about jonathan majors being kang and how good he was in that movie he stole the shit of like High Evolutionary stole that from him. Yeah. Like, so where, where do we opinion, think he ranks? Where do we think he I ranks? Think, I think because I thought Josh Brolin played a great Thanos. Yeah. Like, Thanos he, is number one. I mean, like, he, yeah, the whole 10-year thing in the 20 movies was him. In the, in the background and just his voice and, and the way he's just unforgiving. And the way that the Russo brothers portrayed him in Infinity Wars where we learn more about him. Yeah. You learn to hate this guy. He's yeah. He's just a, an ass, and he's just a he's a dude. You just you hope he gets taken down, and but you know in the back of your mind, if you're a comic book reader, you love the Marvel comics and you love the MCU. You know it won't be that easy. Yeah. And I'm putting the High Evolutionary right under Thanos. Wow, second. Because higher than Loki, I don't see Loki as a villain anymore. Yeah, but when he was a villain, I'm talking about when they were yeah. villains. Yeah. Uh, higher than Namor. Yeah. Higher than I mean, we already did. Like I just said, there's a big there's a big villain problem in the MCU. That's so. what I'm saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like like any of the like Spider Man ones. I love I Namor. You know, Spider-Man. Green Goblin. Well, we got the not this MCU's Green Goblin. Like we, he hasn't had a real Green Goblin yet. Okay, and That's true. I don't. I'm talking about MCU, official MCU, not bringing him in from a different world. But if you were counting him, would you put him above that Green Goblin? No, I wouldn't put him. Again. Even in, even in No Way Home. That Green Goblin was legit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Look, I, if I'm talking about only MCU, yes. But if I'm talking about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man with Toby, no. The Green well, Goblin. Well, that, that would that would be the only one I'd count because technically that Green Goblin made it into the MCU. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure. so technically they right, are so MCU. If you brought him in, I'd put him a uh, high evolutionary right under the Green Goblin. So we'd go yeah. Thanos, Green Goblin, high evolutionary. Wow. Because at this point, I even after seeing Ant Man, I don't hate Kang. I don't hate him. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing with all these villains is there was a – maybe the Green Goblin also didn't really have this. The Green Goblin just hated Spider-Man, right, because whatever. But um, all these villains – the thing with the villain that makes a great villain – this is just for anybody that wants to know story writing, I guess. The thing that makes a great villain is they don't think they're the villain. They think they're the hero. They're the hero. Everyone's the hero in their story. So the villain thinks like what they're doing is for the greater good, but everyone else is like, no, dude, it's really not. But like there, there is a part of you that could see the other side. That's what makes a great villain is if you could see like half the universe, more food, more water, more resources. Like, oh, yeah, I could see that, but I don't think we should go that way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah. a great point, but that's not the direction we should go to do it. Like, In the MCU, under the high evolutionary, do you know who the next villain I think is one of the best? It's Ethan Hawke's Arthur Haro from Moon Knight. That was a great villain. Uh, just really quick, really okay. quick. The MCU obviously messed up with the shows, right? Yeah. Want to know how they really dropped the ball? They should have waited until they were doing rated R content to do Moon Knight. Because if you've yes. read the Moon Knight comic, yeah, Moon Knight is they graphic are violent. As hell. It They're is graphic violent. As hell. And, they, and one of the big things, the show was good. The show had some really good episodes, especially that like middle to end episodes. Not the last one, but you know, like, like the second to last and the, the one before that, the temple one, those were, they were set. They had some really good episodes. Well, give, but a like, shout out, give a shout out to like the music. Like, yeah. The, the music was great. The and Oscar Isaac's obviously phenomenal. The Arabic raps that were going. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have to Oscar, Oscar Isaac playing three different people. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, it, two, two-ish, two, right? Because you don't really you even see the last one until the end. So, but but playing two different people and being on screen at the same time, and no, like if I never watched, if I've never read Moon Knight, didn't know what he was about, and I watched it, I would understand the between the two personalities. Yeah, that's how that's how clear. He did. He was good. Characters. He was very good. He, he I was, thought it was, was good. I, I don't hate his the character. Show. No, I, 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 the writing was good. It could have been a little better. Like you said, it, it should have been a more rated R version of the film, yeah. for sure. Like for the TV show, it should have been more rated R type, type. Like stuff. an HBO show instead of a Disney show. <laughs> exactly. But five stars for Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke's character. Ethan Hawke was amazing were, in it. Ethan Hawke was so good. In I it. hated him in that movie, but I felt weird hating him because he didn't have like a bad reason. Yeah, but that's what makes evil. a great villain. That's what makes you don't like the that's, villain, but you're like the why, reasoning it makes sense. That's and, why and, I wanted to bring it up with you because, like you said, it, yeah. it's that's what makes great villain. That's just storytelling right there. I didn't hate, I didn't hate a lot of the MCU shows. I didn't think they were the best things the MCU's ever put out, but like I didn't hate she Hulk. I thought the, the biggest thing they dropped on that. I personally think I thought the show wasn't that bad, but the, the V and obviously everybody knows the special effects or oh, the yeah. were just, they were God awful. And I think that's where that show really took a hit. I don't think people wanted to see she Hulk either. I don't be, I think they just want to see the Hulk. We never even got a Hulk movie and now we're getting a she Hulk. I think people are just disappointed by that. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Uh, we're past oh, that. And they, and they messed up Hulk. 
like i don't understand hulk now <laughs> yeah yeah who, who knows who knows and the hulk lore like he get the blood goes into her whatever it doesn't matter this isn't a she hulk podcast and it probably won't ever be yeah, um but you. but before we go on to nitpicks which we'll do really quickly because there's not too many in here um yeah. are we in agreement that the and i mean uh, if you're listening to anything else the best scene in the entire thing is the hallway scene with the beastie boys Oh. Where they just get busy. So good. With the, the, was, the Drax opens the door and then they're all there. It's such a good scene. They get out of your seat type me, of scene. It reminded me of the scene with um uh the Punisher and Daredevil of the Netflix and he had to fight off all those dudes in jail. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was so hyped during that scene. Well, I Daredevil. was the same amount of hyped for this scene. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Daredevil has the best scene in all of Marvel history with the hallway scene. That hallway scene, you know the hallway scene I'm talking about where he's going to save the girl and Daredevil the show. It's the greatest greatest scene in probably all of Marvel. It is so unbelievably done. Like you can literally watch that scene a thousand times and you'll never get tired of it. It's so unbelievably good. But I think that is the the best scene in all of Marvel. But I just wanted to make sure we're in agreement before we go on. That was was insane because that gave me John Berthenau Punisher without the gore. Yeah, yeah. In the same same that, feeling, that scene same is really feeling. good that scene and, is really good and so i just i equated to that scene where it was just those guys going on a rampage yeah the with less blood with less blood and, less and blood but more I broken was, bones well a lot more broken bones <laughs> <laughs> and it was awesome i i love that was one of the best scenes i've seen yeah in a while in that yeah scene. you know what you know what i put it up there for recent ones at least it and and I don't know how you feel about it. It it was up there and like with uh, Sam Rainey, uh, Doctor Strange, the note fight scene where I got really, I thought the note fight scene was one of the better scenes in recent MCU. Like I know a lot of people don't like Doctor Strange. Remember the music fight with yeah. uh, yeah. the, the way that scene like was amazing. Like it was so well constructed and it doesn't get talked about a lot because people you know shoe off multiverse of madness but i think that scene's right up there with that as something i like got out of my seat excited for like i i was like excited for that scene i was like this is so cool like this is so original and cool and well done and the notes are playing while they're thrown it was amazing so anyway let's go to nitpicks really quick um because there's not that many um, I'll say one, then you could say what you, th- what you have as maybe a nitpick or something you didn't really like. Um, one thing I, I could tell you, I did not really like, and maybe it's just, I don't know. I didn't like Groot talking at the end. I don't know if we were just supposed to be understanding what he said, or if he actually was saying the sentence when he said like, I love you guys or something like that or whatever. I, I wasn't a fan. Like, I like that he just says, I am Groot. And we understand what he says. Like, we understand what he says when he says things, right? Like, because of the cadence that gives off or the scene that's going on. Um, I was not a big fan of that. Do you have any nitpicks off the top of your head? Um, the only nitpick I really have with this movie is we didn't need Adam Warlock. Yeah, that would be another one of mine is that and Adam Warlock was an idiot. Well, the only thing about Adam Warlock being an idiot is that he's a child's mind in in an adult body, which makes sense because look, look, we got Adam Warlock in the in the comics and he's a full grown adult. Grown adult, yeah. You know, and 
in this, he's still a child, technically, mind-wise, and he has a full body of a young adult, and he, he's an idiot, but, like, you can't do... he James Gunn did the right thing in where he was an idiot, and I, I did, like, one, a couple of his one-liners I, I chuckled at and everything, and it made sense that he was kind of childlike because mm-hmm. he, he was just born. He was just born, and this is the body he got. You know, it's not like he's been living for the past, for like 50 years or 100 years or a century. He's, he's, he just was born and he's been put on this task. That's really my nitpick. And one more nitpick is when Peter leaves, I would have rathered instead of a post-credit scene with him, I would have rather just an ending scene. Yeah, I, that's so... Like uh, him going back home and doing that should have been part of the movie itself and not... Yeah, well, well um, on the the Midnight Boys, which is on the Ringerverse, very good podcast if you don't listen to it. I highly recommend it. Um, free ads. No free ads. No, it's not. It's not really a free ad, but uh, I, I will say that they're really good. They, uh, one of the people on there, called it a glorified contract renewal announcement. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it is. Like, it was an end credit scene to say, like, "Hey, we renewed Chris Pratt." Like, that's all it really is because there's nothing else that it doesn't add anything to the scene or anything like that. Yeah. So the 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 end credit scenes, the one was cool because you get to see the new Guardians. But the, I think both end credit scenes are kind of like, eh. Um, but maybe it's just because yeah. the Chris Pratt one brings it down so much <laughs> that you're just like, what? Like, but the other one where you get to see the Guardians, I guess, is pretty cool. But I guess it's pretty no, cool. No, the, so, the new Guardians team is a good one. Like, that was – that I needed that because I was excited for the new team. Yeah. Like, you know, and them just hanging out was funny. And when Rocket plays the song – was like a feel moment you hit that in the feels yeah. um the 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 scene with chris pratt it seemed like you could have just ended the movie that way and not yeah i agree with that i agree I, I will say when he when when he goes in and he sees his grandfather and that was a really good i loved that scene that was a great scene. That was a solid scene. You could have just kind of left it there too, but they wanted to announce that Chris Pratt's back. Whatever, who cares? Um, I have the last question: Is where does the MCU go, for, MCU go from here? But I kind of want to skip this question because, even though I wrote it down, I want to skip this question because we don't really know where the MCU goes from here. Like we know there's new Guardians now, but like we talked about, and this was great. They didn't really give us what comes next in the movie yeah. you know what i mean like they didn't really tell us what's gonna go on in the marvels or i think the marvels is the only thing left there's the marvels and um the tv show um with the scrolls secret oh, invasion, secret invasion. Yeah. Th- that's all that's left for mcu which is a huge breath of fresh air right because like yeah. we got and we don't we know what over stimulated we don't know what we're gonna get until the writer strikes over yeah yeah, I mean, yeah. well, the the um, secret 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 invasion has a set. Date. It's like next month it comes out. No, yeah, no, I'm saying after that. Oh, after that, know. yeah, we don't know what's coming after like, that because the writer strike. Yeah, everything. But if they don't have writers for this, they can't do anything. So yeah, get them on set, man. 
They need to be on set. They wrote the damn thing. Anyway, I'm with the writers. Yeah, yeah, I'm with the writers. So we don't really want to go where the MCU goes from here. Um, So let's just go with some final thoughts. Like, give us a quick minute or two of final thoughts on what what you thought. And um, I mean, we got a lot of thoughts out there. So just a quick, quick thing. Maybe we didn't hit. I think it. It's hard to. After seeing the the Guardians three three volumes, it's hard to put into words how I feel because I think excited for the, James Gunn to go to DC. Yes, <laughs> I can't be screaming that up the top of my lungs. I think most people who have listened to the podcast so far know that I'm excited for him. Yeah, <laughs> especially after this. Yeah, and I've beaten I've beaten them down with that. But no, I think with 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 the Guardians, it's hard for me to put into words, really, because I've enjoyed the Guardians movies so much that it, it's hard to say goodbye to these characters. Like at the end of the movie, I was kind of choked up because I was like, "Damn!" Like I I can't tell you that. I I had so much fun in every single Guardians movie. Yeah. There there are there are small tweaks that I'd give to each of them, but really overall, I'm so it's not happy, much. So happy for what we got. Yeah. And you know, really my only thing is just, you know, like I said before, it's just thank you to the actors who played those characters because they did them so much justice. They gave us a new look on characters. I think Guardians really put background comic book characters on the map. Think about yeah. it. They, they were the first ones to really not be – I mean I've said this before on podcasts that the Avengers and Iron Man and them were like – not the top tier of Marvel when it first started. Like Iron Man was such a risk. This is kind of going off topic and I apologize. Iron Man was kind of a, was such a big risk for Marvel because Iron Man was not an A-lister for Marvel. Like they was, Iron Man was very big for Marvel back then, but like he wasn't the Fantastic Four. He wasn't Spider-Man. He wasn't the Hulk. He wasn't like X-Men, like Wolverine. Like he was, the Avengers were kind of like, high b low a they weren't like s tier like s tier was like spider-man wolverine um um i I don't want to say the whole fantastic floor but like um hulk Hulk was definitely up there like the the villain was dr doom that everybody was big on like it, it was more of like but they didn't have those characters that's why by the way for people that don't believe that that's why they had Captain America, Iron Man, and Captain America was definitely low a, low to mid A tier. He wasn't B tier, but that's why they had the Avengers, Thor, Captain America, all these characters, and they were able to make the movies is because nobody bought them. Like, don't forget, reason there was no X Men, there was no Fantastic Four, there was no Spider Man, none of these characters that are coming now is because they were owned by Fox and Universe, and and the Hulk, by the way, never got his own individual movie because he was owned by Universal. So that's just just on top of that. So um, yeah, it's just it, it's it shows you yes. that these obscure characters deserve to be on the big screen. Yeah, they really do. 
Yeah, they, they do. deserve to be on the big screen. They deserve the the leeway the actors and guardians got to be these characters. I believe so wholeheartedly that Chris Pratt, Drax, and, and Dave DeBoutista, they took these characters and made them their own. Yeah. Like they and, were their essence in a way. And let the directors cook. Yes. Thank you. And that's that's what these comic book characters need because even if they're these these C list characters, they do need a great director and they need the actors to put a little spin of their own on them. And yep. they need that they need that creative freedom in this in this media. They really do. And when they're bogged down by all of the all of the oh we need to connect this movie we need to we need to look five years ahead we need all this that's unneeded pressure for these directors and, and, and actors let them put together a great movie and that's what I believe Blue Beetle will be I believe Blue Beetle will be that next movie I yeah that that's a character that it doesn't need to connect to any other movie or anything else i hope it really doesn't and there's a lot of dc movies i wish they did that even in the dcu even in that scope instead of starting with justice league yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. instead of starting with the team movie imagine if the mcu started with avengers oh that would have tanked that's what dc did we wouldn't yeah that's what dc oh, yeah. did that's exactly that's what they did they started with that and you know we need, and I'm so thankful that James Gunn came over to DC because I think he knows he's gonna be that. great. I think he knows that wholeheartedly yeah. that he needs that to create great movies, and and I saw a flicker of that in his Suicide Squad. Well, I you know where see, you you know where you really saw the flicker of it was in Peacemaker. Yeah, but no, for me as a DC person. Like we already, especially for Suicide Squad. Think about it. We had a Suicide Squad before this, and then we got a new Suicide Squad, and we got the James Gunn Suicide Squad. Think about Harley Quinn's character from the first one to the second one. At the first glance, they look almost the same. Watch it again. Really watch it again and look at Margot Robbie's ability to take that character and and really make it her own. Really do things that she probably wasn't allowed to do in the first one. She mm-hmm. did in this one. And that's the freedom James Gunn gives to his actors that portray these comic book characters. And that's that's why... That's why it was really hard to say goodbye to this movie. It was it was really hard because that was that was the first time I saw Guardians One where shit they're they're just a bunch of misfits, you know? They're they they're allowed now to we say everything. goodbye. And now we say goodbye. But it was a great movie and if you've listened to this whole podcast and haven't seen it, um 
that was ridiculous, but definitely go see it. <laughs> you uh, psychopath. Yeah, you're you a psycho, but still worth seeing because it wasn't just one of those. It wasn't a fun movie. Like No Way Home was a fun movie. If you got it spoiled, it probably wasn't as fun. This one, you can get spoiled and still love it. But don't bring your kids to it because it's kind of scary and kind of dark and all that stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, this has been another great episode of Sketching Up. You can look us up on social media. Look up Schnabel Studios, S-C-H-N-A-B-E-L Studios, anywhere. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the things we TikTok, all the things we said before. And you can see our social media and stuff like that. You can follow us, contact us, whatever you want to do. You can also find this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, iHeart radio wherever you get it uh even youtube you can get it same thing schnabel studios look that up and you'll find sketching up there i got through that somehow we got through this whole <laughs> podcast somehow um but thank you guys for joining us for another great episode we will see you next time we have a really fun episode planned it uh, has to do with legendary weapons would you say uh, legendary, legendary weapons, weapons. Yes. yeah should be so fun Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will see you later. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. I don't have a third thing. <laughs> <laughs>